If you join me again in, in the Bible of the New Testament, uh, this verse was lifted up in the responsive reading found in Ephesians 4th chapter, looking at verses 31 and 32. I am reading from the New Living uh, Translation. If you can stand and honor the reading of God's Word, the letter to the Ephesians. Found in our New Testament. We'll look at that fourth chapter. Looking at verse 31 to 32. Dealing with the subject matter. Choose forgiveness. Those who have the U Bible version. Apologize there's no Wi-Fi. But you can still, if you have sailor dad, you can still get on. to the U version Bible app. And you can be with us right there, join the Zion Baptist Church group. The word of God says, reading from the New Living Translations, Ephesians 4th chapter, verse 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. As we continue on with this series of choices, again, be people begin the new year with a choice, a resolution of how they're going to be better this year than they were the previous year. Here's another choice that I'll ask you to consider is to choose forgiveness. The reason why we need to choose forgiveness, first of all, God has forgiven you. Just looking at the concept of that, you can tell how much someone has hurt you. And if you want to keep record, then once you compare that record with your record with God, I bet you won't feel as boastful as you felt the first time. You can tell somebody else how they've done you wrong, how they treated you wrong, how they let you down countless and numerous times. But if you put that compared to a guy, what you have is a post-it note compared to a great library that God has of your mistakes. And so if we put it into consideration that I say I am a Christian, that I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, but yet I choose not to forgive my brother and my sister, something in my life is not lining up. Because how can you say I want to be like my father, but I can't forgive my brother or my sister? Even when Jesus was teaching the disciples who asked them, teach us how to pray, part of the prayer was, forgive my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Pointing out that how can you ask God to forgive you when you cannot forgive others? Again, why should I forgive? Well, again, the first reason why I should learn how to forgive and choose forgiveness is that God has forgiven me. Anybody here glad that God has forgiven you? And look how he's forgiven us. He's forgiven us through Christ. Oh, glory be to God. 
Because if you think about our forgive, us being forgiven is not because we were so apologetic. It's not because we said the right phrase and the right words. It was that because someone stepped in on our behalf to pay what we owe so that we could be forgiven. And so when we look at this, we find out not only when I choose to forgive, I am showing the character of our great God. Because you understand to forgive is a part of loving one another. It's, it's amazing how we can make love based on emotions, based on feelings, and we will define that as love. But yet when you say you love somebody, you have the nerve to tell them, but I won't forgive you. How, how, how is that love when God says, I love you and I forgive you? And so if God has shown us how the love brings forth forgiveness, how is it that we say we love people but we can't? forgive then we start thinking about it well well i can't forgive because they hurt me so bad and hurt me so deep that, that, that that's true but if you look at first corinthians 13 it says love is this love does not keep any record of wrong mm, mm, mm. love rejoices over good not over evil when we look at love, we find out how God makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus because he did not impute, he did not count our sins against us. And so because of that, that's why God has commanded us to love. You understand that's a command, right? That, that even the, the, it, the Jews understood when they announced the great law commandments was summarized, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can I stick a pin there for a moment? Love yourself. Think about how much you love yourself. You forgive yourself. You forgive yourself when you mess up. You forgive yourself when you don't do things right, but you're going you to hold it on somebody else. You forgive yourself when you late and you miss an appointment, but somebody late picking you up. You're going to talk about them the whole ride while you're late to that appointment. But when you lay, you're like, oh, well, I'll make it there anyway. It's amazing how we can justify our actions for ourselves, but that's why God has commanded us to do what he knows we otherwise would not do because the flesh fights against the spirit. That's why when we see this word forgive here, it means to remit or to cancel a debt. Specifically in this text of Ephesians, the same word for forgiveness is oftentimes used to show favor or to give something. Mm, mm. And so pointing out to us that when we forgive people, we are giving them favor. We're giving them a gift. Now, this is why we have problems with forgiveness. Y'all can talk to me if I'm telling the truth. That when you forgive somebody, you're giving them something you think they don't deserve got a few people with me. Some of y'all still holding on. Y'all forgave somebody. Hope y'all talk to me by the end of this message. Uh, because when someone hurts you, you feel they owe you. So why are you going to give them something when they owe you? You hurt me. Why do I need to give you something? But if we start looking at it, how much have we hurt God? And now that I owe God, can I pay him back? And if you look at the same consideration, how people have hurt you, can they pay you back? 
Oftentimes the answer is no. Sometimes it is yes because it's monetary. It's something physical that can be replaced. But think about if someone hurt you and you missed your appointment and you lost that job. Mm. It might be kind of hard to get you another job. But will you forgive that person? Yes, they owe you. They messed up. But will you forgive them? But yet we look how we let God down, and yet he has released us of the debt. He canceled it. He gave us favor, and he forgave us. So looking again at this text, it says what? That we ought to instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So Let's, let's look why we should forgive. Why we should forgive is why? Because God has forgiven us. Now let's look at how forgiving helps us. Look what happens here. That when we forgive others, we are showing others what forgiveness looks like. Part of this, we find in Luke 7, chapter verses 41 to 43, Jesus goes into a Simon the leper's house. He lays down. A woman comes in weeping and wailing and starts washing and kissing his feet with her tears and hair. And, 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 and he starts, look, do you know who's on your feet? Do you know who is touching you? And he says, I've been with you all this time. You have not washed my feet, but yet this woman has not ceased. And he's pointing out, he says, well, let me give you a story. You're not catching on what I'm talking about. Let me give you a story. And the story he gives to them is two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Great question, isn't it? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. He answered wisely, and Jesus pointed out to those who are forgiven much, love much. Oh, my goodness. You see how forgiveness was tied in with love? Jesus says those who are forgiven much, love much. That's why, that's why you could look around and find somebody. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just going to just tell, call it like I see it. Think about when you see people going to worship service, you can find out who's been forgiven much. They're the ones who are talking the loudest. Because they know what God's done for me. They're not trying to impress you. They're not trying to look cute for you. They, there's a God that has forgiven me for a multitude of sins. How dare I be quiet and silent when I can worship him, when I can lift up my voice, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and shout unto him. Some of y'all looking at me and say, well, it don't take all that. You, you, must, you must act like you haven't been forgiven for much. Because if, 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 just think about how this is not even an emotional thing. If somebody of prestige walked up in the place, you act a fool. You want to get up close, see what's going on. Don't you know what's going on, but you just want to get up close. You want to do all that you can. Use all your energy that you can to find out what's going on. But yet somebody mentioned how God has forgiven you. You just going to act like he's supposed to. But yet when you look at that, what you should deserve is death. It becomes sobering to realize that what I should have is death, but I got life. And now since I have life, now that's at the summer says I'm on the top side. <laughs> I'm in the land of the living. He says, I'm going to give him praise. 
Y'all quiet on me. He, he goes on saying, now that I am able to worship him, I'm going to worship him. Y'all quiet on me. He goes on to say that if the trees got enough sense uh, to wave their branches, I'm going to give voice unto him and praise him. That's why he says, let the redeem of the Lord say that they're redeemed. He goes on to say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. What he's pointing out, how dare we walk up in his place of worship? and act like he hasn't done anything for us. And so when we understand how he has forgiven us, think, think about it again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the 51st number song, we, we like that song because it shows how many of us can identify how we all have messed up and we deserve a great punishment, but we do pray, oh, Lord, renew that joy in me. And the only way, oh, glory be to God, he can renew that joy in you is by his grace and his mercy. David saying, 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 my, I am broken. My bones are broken. Why is that? Because he realized the guilt and the shame he has suffered for his sin. He, he, he understood that I've messed up and I can't make it right. This joy that I'm missing, only God can renew. Mm, mm, mm. Think about how. Many of us, many of us have a doctor or we have medicine that we realize once it runs out, only there's only one place, only one source we can get and receive what we need. You, you run out of insulin, you sure enough know if you're in time of need, you got to go to that one place to get what you need. You have asthma, you need an inhaler or a machine, you know you there's a specific place you got to go. To get what you need. You got a defibrillator. It's not working right. It's not doing right. There's a certain place you have to go to get what you need. I want to point out to everybody that when sin comes and infects your body and you become sick and you become ill, there's only one place that you can go that will give you what you need. And I'm so glad that I don't need a call and get a prescription to have a button or something around my neck to call on at a time. But I could just call on the name of Jesus and things start working. Mm. And so when you realize that my, 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 my ability to remove this shame and this guilt can only be done through the Lord. How, how dare I not share that with somebody else? Mm. See, this choice, this choice that God gave to cancel our debt has freed us. That's why we get excited who the sun sets free. It's free indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because God does not hold grudges or animosity towards us, but yet we have the nerve to hold grudges and animosity towards others. I'm just talking about people that, that I, I've seen that I know. I, I may not have seen your phone, but I've seen other people's phones, and I notice how they change names of people they don't like. And, and what's that showing that I still have some animosity, I still have some grudge, I still have some anger towards this person, so therefore I will not call you by your name. I got a nickname for you. <laughs> Every time you ring, I won't be reminded that that's who you get. That's it. I'm not answering that one. Y'all quiet on me. It's all right. <laughs> that the people we have issues with, we hear their name, we got another name that goes off in our mind. Jill calls you, oh, that, mm. John is on the phone, mm, I ain't talking to that, mm. 
We have already made up our mind because how I feel about that person, I got another name for because there's some hurt, there's some pain that you have not letting go of. We need to let it go. Because think about how God looks at us. He could call us by another name. But since we called on his son's name, we got a new name. Yes, we can identify ourselves as sinners, but he identifies us as saints. We can identify ourselves as a wretch undone. He could look at us as blood-redeemed children. You see how when God has canceled our debt, it changes our circumstances. It changes how we can approach him because he removed that debt. Think about how you have good credit score. When you've got a good credit score, you can get what credit cards you want. You can get the loan you want. You get the car you want. But when you got bad credit, you, you are questionable about what you're going to get. God has given us a great credit score. That we can always come to him and he's going to give us exactly what we need. He does not hold any bad or past or missed payments against us. He says, I covered it. <laughs> You're debt free. I, I covered it. You're good to go. And so we see how forgiveness benefits us. It sets us free. It cancels our debt. And we understand how this liberty makes us feel. Now think about that person that has hurt you, how they feel the same way. Now, you're probably thinking, good, because they're supposed to feel that way. You still need to let it go. Because if you think about how much our God is, think about even the psalmist. As much as, you know, in the Old Testament, people get caught up saying in the Old Testament, uh, uh, God is different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. That's a lie. But what people try to point out that you can see a whole bunch of stuff in the Old Testament that shows God's wrath, that shows God's punishment, that shows God's destruction, which is true. But you're going to see that in the New Testament, too. If you've not read Revelation, you need to check it out. And, and you find out that it's the same God. And even Israel understood. That's why in many of the Psalms, they have something like this. Psalm 130, verse 7 says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. How can that be a God full of wrath and full of anger when they go talk about a God whose love never fails and he can give us full redemption from all our sins? Doesn't that sound like a loving God? And so I want us to grab here that, yes, wrath is true. Judgment is true. So, but so is grace and mercy. And that is available to us when we come through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, say, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. And Jesus says, great, I'm glad you came. Now here's how you ought to walk. I'm going to give you some encouragement through my Holy Spirit to teach you, to walk with you, to talk with you so you know my will. And he reminds us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So now we're encouraged to do good. So look at how to forgive. First aspect of to forgive someone is to just let it go. Just let it go. Think about how you can't change it. They can't pay you back, so just let it go. Think about some stuff that you had to let go. Have you, have you ever tried to return something back and you wanted to get the cash back, but you didn't have the receipt? And since you didn't have the receipt, they won't let you get the cash back, but they'll give you credit back at that store. 
and you know darn well you wanted a cash back because you didn't like that store, you didn't like that gift, and so you want your credit back to go buy what you wanted from another store in another place, y'all quiet on me. And, and, and so therefore, you, since you lost that receipt and you couldn't get it back, you had to learn to let it go. Mm, mm, mm. Because there's nothing else you can do. It's lost. You can't reclaim. You can't get it back. It's gone. So you learn to let it go. Or it might have been that you had that $5, you were ready to go somewhere, and you went to that place ready to go. You thought you had the $5, you found out you didn't have that $5. Couldn't get another $5. You learned to let it go. So how is it we learn in other aspects to let things go that hurt us, that hindered us from getting what we want, but we look at other people, we want to have them feel shame, we want to have them feel guilt, we want to punish them, we want to be judge and jury, we don't want to let it go. But when somebody else brings up to us some old stuff, we're going to say, why are you bringing up old stuff? Say that was in the past. You should have gotten over it now. But yet we can easily teach other people how to let it go, but we haven't learned to. Let it go. So how can I forgive? I need to first just let it go. Now the second aspect of when let it go does not mean you're going to forget it. As long as you still got the right work and the functions of your brain, you're going to remember a whole lot of stuff. But what you need to do is to mark that memory. How do you mark that memory? You mark that memory as forgiven. When, when people have records of you and you cancel the debt, they put debt canceled. So when they go back over the record, somebody might try to reclaim that debt. You say, you should have it on fire. That I paid everything that is good to go. Am I right about it? Have you not tried to tell people that I got records, that I have, I have canceled checks, I have receipts to prove that it's been paid? So the same time that when you have a, a memory of something that has hurt you, but you have forgiven that person, you need to go ahead and remind yourself, I let it go. Will it, will, it, will it bring back up hurt pains? Yes, it will. Will it bring up how you were hurt? Yes, it will. But I, I tell you this, that every time you remind yourself that you have forgiven them, it's going to get lesser. And lesser. Why is that? Because your, your body is no longer going to get the energy that it needs. See, one, one thing you, we, we sometimes neglect is that a lot of people get energy when they get angry. Think about where you get this rage from. And, and then your brain feeds off of that endorphins and it wants more of it. It wants more of it. But the more you allow love to win out, the less the brain needs that negativity. Actually, it has that positive that it really needs. And then your brain functions better. Because you understand that negative energy, what it does, it, it limits the logical aspect of your brain. That means it's that the, the lower part of your brain, the, it, which gets more angry and removes us from the upper part of our brain functioning, which brings out reasoning and knowledge and so problem solving. And think about how when you get angry, how it's hard for you to solve problems. People can't even talk to you when you get angry. Because it limits us to, le to reasoning. But when we calm ourselves down, right, when we start thinking, say, well, I was mad for no reason. I said, listen, so they were really trying to help me out. But that's when we calmed ourselves down. So when we learn to remind ourselves I've forgiven that person, then I don't spend time getting angry, stewing over it, and getting mad over it. So I let it go. I remind myself I have forgiven that person. Then the third aspect is this, that you don't no longer bring it up. 
If God no longer brings up our past, why should I bring up somebody else's past? We think about, do you need reminders of what you did and wrong in the past? You'd rather people not bring it up. I'm right about it. You say, like, you don't need to go there. Like, I don't need to be reminded of how bad I used to be. I'm so glad that God has changed me. So I want to think about his grace and his mercy, not how bad I used to be. And, and think about how when we no longer bring it up, then we got to focus on the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. That's why it says, what, be kind and tenderhearted towards one another. Because when we're kind and tend our towards one another, look what that is to That means that now I will be showing the fruit of the spirit, which is gentleness, which is kindness. That now I'm looking to be soft and loving and compassing towards you, not judgmental and angry towards you. Because why I chose to forgive. So let's look at how to forgive again. I choose to forgive. I choose to let it go. And when, I remind, when, it, when it comes back tomorrow, I remind myself I have forgiven you. And then I won't bring up past wrongs. Now I look at you as being forgiven. Because think about it, aren't you glad how God looks at you? When he looks at you, he does not look at all your sins. He does not look at all your issues. He does not look at all your problems or bring it up. Why are you coming to me? Because you never listened to me in the past. No, he looks at you and says, you've come in faith through my son and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I see you and I forgive you. Do you not see that right there in the text? It says, instead, be kind to each other and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Because why I'm able to operate that way, because I've gotten rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You see how you remove the negative, you make room for the positive. And so through forgiveness, we have life. These are the benefits of forgiveness. We have life. Jesus came to forgive our sins so that we might have life. Y'all see that, right? He came to shed out his blood to pay our debt so that we might have life. Because his forgiveness of our sins remove our guilt and our shame. Now I want to spend some time about our guilt and our shame. Guilt is the result of our sin. We personally deal with. We personally deal with. Your sin has brought forth consequences. For example, you stole something. Someone now has lost what you have taken from them, and you might not be able to give it back. You might have sold it, whatever you might have done with it once you did your thievery, your robbery of them. But cast this out, you still have to live with that I've done that wrong. So when you see that person, you're reminded how I defrauded that person. I let that person down, and that guilt stays there. And when guilt sometimes goes in, then comes shame. And shame is a reminder, that painful sensation, excited by the consciousness of your guilt or your improper act. Mm. And think about how when you have shame, you have guilt, then what happens? Then you want to conceal it because you don't want to feel that way anymore. What I'm going to point out to us is that God removes this guilt and this shame. How does he remove this guilt and this shame? Think about it. If you are a wanted criminal, you are a wanted criminal, do you go to the police asking for help? Because if you so that if you that bold to go in and ask for help, and you stay down there long, they're gonna say, I know that person. And you're gonna get locked up. And you don't wanna be locked up. 
So you're not going to go for a police for help. Now you're left with shame and guilt, and you feel even worse because you can't get the help you need. But when you have been exonerated, mm, and they say, aren't you guilty? He said, no, the judge found me not guilty, so you need to help me. You can't arrest me for that. Mm. You can boldly walk in to that police station. You can feel secure if they pull you over. You can feel secure if they come knocking on your door that I have nothing to hide. I've been found not guilty. That's what Christ has done for us. That we can boldly go to our God, not feeling ashamed and not feeling guilt, having our conscience clear that, yes, I have done that wrong, but because of the blood of Jesus, I have been found, what? Not guilty. When Jesus sat down as we celebrate communion, he sat down with the disciples the night of his betrayal. He says, this is my blood, which is poured out for the remission of sins. That is so that we will be forgiven. Hebrews goes on to say, there is no forgiveness of sin without the, re- without the shedding of blood. What I'm trying to point out, that there was a debt that we owed to God. We could not pay it, but Jesus paid the price with his blood. And since he paid the price, with his blood, we can boldly come to our God and ask of him anything our heart desires. And not feeling any shame and not feeling any guilt. Think about how we go to people and you feel shame, you feel guilt because you know you're wrong. That's what our conscience does. It convicts us of what we have done wrong. And so when you come to somebody, you start feeling shame and you start feeling guilt. There's some sin issues in your life that you need to go and get forgiveness from. That's why in the response of reading, Jesus said to them that don't come to me with an offering if you got an ought against your brother. Go and be reconciled. God desires for us to reconcile with one another, to forgive one another, to let them know I love you this much, that I'm willing to forgive you of what you owe me, and I'm not going to hold it no longer against you. I'm not going to hold it over your head. That's what you say when you tell somebody, I forgive you. In those powerful words, I forgive you. And think about how when you ask someone to forgive you, how you get that lump in your throat. Because you know you're wrong. And you deserve pain and punishment. Sometimes we want pain and punishment because that makes us feel better. You know, I want you to hate me for what I've done. I want you. We want that because it kind of justifies how we feel on the inside. But yet we really don't want that. We really want redemption. We really want reconciliation. We really want to restore what was broken. And that's what God desires for us. That's why he forgives us because he desires to restore what is broken. He no longer wants you to beat yourself up. He no longer wants you to feel ashamed of yourself. But instead he wants you to lift your head up high and look up to the hills from which come with your help. And knowing your help coming from the Lord. And cast all your burdens, all your cares upon him. For he is able to sustain us and keep us. And this is all through the blood of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins to set us free from shame, guilt, and the penalty of sin which is death so that we might have life and have it more abundantly so when we choose to forgive we are saying Lord I choose you. So that's the choice to make. Do you choose that today? Do you choose to let it go? To not hold on to it any longer? And say, Lord, I choose to be kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as, Lord, you have forgiven me through 
Christ Jesus? Is that your choice? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we come right now, God. Willing to make that choice, Lord, that we choose forgiveness in our life. That we choose not to hold on to grudges. Hold on to hurt and anger. To be bitter and try to slander others who have hurt us. But no, Lord, we choose to love them. And we choose to love them much, for we know we've been forgiven much. And, Lord, we realize that we can never pay you back. So how can we look for somebody to pay us back, oh, God? May we give that gift of forgiveness. May we freely give away to what you have freely given to us. And, Lord, we thank you that through your Holy Spirit, it will empower us and enable us to be more and more like you. For we wrestle, Lord, not with flesh and blood, with powers or principalities. So, Lord, we want to beat this flesh into submission and be obedient to your spirit and do what you've called us to do, which is to forgive one another. Right now, Lord, I pray there might be a name, an issue that comes up to our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray right now that you won't let it go until we reconcile right now, God. That we'll go to that person, we go to that, that person, and we will say, will you forgive me? And then, Lord, we also will repent to you and say, Lord, forgive me for this wrong. And, Lord, that we will seek your reconciliation, oh, God. Not because we're trying to be holier than that, but, Lord, we want to be right with you. And we want our heart to be clear. Move right now, oh, God, in our hearts. We give you permission. So we surrender it to you right now, oh, God. Lord, there might be someone here today that decided that this is the play time, this is the place, that they want to call you personal Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have shown us that you will forgive us of all our sins. And you'll call us righteous. You'll call us your children. So, Lord, we surrender all to you right now. Father, Lord, move in this place, we pray. Amen.